And if it's important to God, it should be important to us as well. And so we kind of started off with the scripture in Psalm 133 that says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when the brethren dwell together in unity. And so when we meet like this, God sees it as good and he sees it as pleasant. And we need to gather together as often as we can. There's a scripture in Hebrews, I think it's 10, that says, let's not give up meeting together, but let's continue to encourage one another in love and in good deeds. So gathering together in unity is important, and every time we get the opportunity, we want to do so. Relationships are important, and places like this are good places to make relationships. We have learned from Pastor Ann that we're stronger and better together. And I love that. We are stronger and better women when we're together. And so um, God wants us to unite together, and he also wants us to get along with one another. And we looked at the church, the early church in Acts, um, I think it was chapter 4 or 2, and we noticed that they gathered together often for fellowship, for prayer and teaching of the word. And as they did, the Bible says the church grew in strength and in number. So it's important that we come together, encourage one another, learn of God, fellowship as much as we can. Um, the last time we met, which was on a Monday night, how many of you were here on Monday night? It was so good, the place was packed. And Pastor Ann challenged us on the importance of uniting the generations. And um, it's true, we can get kind of set in our comfy zones, and we kind of navigate towards women who are very much like ourselves. but we need to think outside of the box and meet with those younger than us and older than us, because we have something to learn from each other. And so we don't want to miss out on that. And um, I've loved our time together because God has really challenged me and reminded me that I need to step out of my comfort zone because we can easily settle in. So we want to make a difference in each other's life and we want to do so often, as often as we can. So let's pray this morning and we'll get started. Father, we just thank you for this time together. Thank you, God, that you brought us together, united as women who love you and want to hear from you. So I pray that your Holy Spirit would just help us to settle our hearts before you this morning and hear from you in your precious word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we're going to take a look at unity in friendships. And I'm sure that you are like me. It's always the prayer of my heart that God would make me a better wife and mother and sister and daughter and friend and Grammy. I want to be the best I can at all those roles. But it's a lot to navigate through, isn't it? It's a lot of different hats that we wear. I think it's important that we set aside the word perfection. Because when we put perfection on ourselves 
or on others, we're often disappointed and we're often let down. Because this side of heaven, I don't think any of us are going to reach that. But we do want to strive to be the best woman of God we can be in all those areas. And so setting perfection aside, we're not going to compare ourselves to each other, but we're going to be the best that God um, God makes us to be. And as we seek after him, we'll be growing in all those areas each and every day. So if my family were here, they would tell you that I make most of my friends in the grocery store. And this is true. Every week when I get home, my husband says, who did you meet today? And I don't go with that intention, but people come up to me and ask me where the paper towels are or what do you put in vegetable soup or one guy even asked me what I was making for dinner tonight and I just stop and share what whatever and so my son said to me once he was with me and he goes how do you know all these people and I said I don't know them they just need my help for whatever reason and he goes well you act like you know them but in the grocery store, I've even had people share like their whole life story with me. And so you want to be accommodating, you want to be nice, even if you're in a hurry, you do the best you can. I'm not sure what it is if they think I look like a great cook, maybe, <laughs> or if they think I work in the grocery store. I'm not really sure, but I do the best I can to meet the needs wherever they are because the truth is you never know when a divine appointment is going to come your way, right? You never know who you're going to meet and where. I was on a mission trip about 15 years ago, and we were on a bus going from one town to the next, and the only seat open was in the very back of the bus. So I made way, my way back there, and there was a beautiful young girl sitting there, and so we started talking. And as we talked, we realized that we lived 10 minutes from each other in California. And we're all the way around the world in Albania. Um, the more we shared with each other, we realized that we had many of the same friends, we had been to the same churches, and God just clicked our hearts together at that very time. And I've thought about that so often. Why couldn't you just have done that right here in California? Why did we have to go all the way around the world? But God has divine appointments for each one of us. And if we're obedient and listen up, we will recognize them when they come. One of the very first times I went to get my nails done, which was a long time ago too, I sat down, and there was a little girl sitting there, and she had a charm that said, 100% Christian. Well, now that a spark a conversation, right? And so I commented on her charm. And by the time I left there, she was my dear friend. We went on family vacations together. We had them over all the time. God just knit our hearts together as only he can do. So we want to look for divine appointments on mission trips, at the grocery store, wherever you are. You never know when they're going to come our way. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 18, 24, that a man or woman who has friends must show himself friendly. So to have a friend, we have to be friendly. That's what we have to do. Now, I know to be friendly is easy for some 
and harder for others because some have outgoing personalities and it's easy to talk to everybody, but others are shy and withdrawn and it's really difficult to do so. The dictionary describes friendly as just being kind and pleasant. And I love the word pleasant. That means to be delightful, lovely, beautiful, and sweet. Now, don't we all want to be that? Is that a girl word or what? We all want to be delightful, lovely, and sweet. I've said often before that God never calls us to a task without equipping us to do so. And he has given us the Holy Spirit living in us, and one of those fruit of the Spirit is kindness. So we all have kindness in us. Pastor Ann was talking about kind of the busyness of the world we can get caught up in. And we kind of live in a world where garage doors go up, you drive in, and then the garage door goes down, and nobody talks to each other. You almost have to make a point and go out of your way to interact with each other. I love text to text, but a text is a quick message, isn't it? It's not a one-on-one -on -one conversation where you look at each other. So we have to really make an effort to connect with each other. It's a choice we make. It always comes down to a choice that we make. But we want to make ourselves available for relationships because God created us for relationships. We want to be led and guided by the Holy Spirit because in him, we can overcome our insecurities. We can overcome shyness. And we can overcome self-focus and focus on other people. Since only one walked the earth in perfection that I know, and that's Jesus, let's look at how he navigated people in relationships and friends in his life. Now, obviously, Jesus had a lot of acquaintances. And by that, I mean the crowd, the Bible says the crowds followed him wherever he went. And he couldn't possibly have known each one by name because there was a multitude, it says. And we all have acquaintances in our own life. Like in this room, I know many of you, your names, but I don't know your story. And I haven't gotten to know you intimately. But... I want to invest in you. We, and we saw Jesus do that. We read that as the crowds followed him, he took time to welcome them, to teach them, and the Bible says he healed all that came and needed healing. So that shows me that Jesus took time for people, and we need to do the same. And that's hard to do in this day and age because, like Pastor Ann said, we are busy women. So let's stop and ask ourselves, how do we interact with the crowds around us, with the acquaintances that we meet? Do you try and stop and engage people? I walk around my lake. I have a lake by my house, and I walk around, and I try and say at least hello to everyone I meet. Some people don't even want to say hello, and that's always shocking to me. But you know what? God has shown me you never know what's going on in someone's heart or life that they can't even smile and greet you back. So I take the opportunity to pray for people like that. God, whatever's going on, be with them, minister to them. 
but how are we treating the crowds in our own life? Say at the ballpark when you're with the kids or at school functions that you go to or maybe the gym um, or the workplace. Are you trying to interact with everyone you come in contact with? I know we can't do it intimately, but we can say hello and smile and greet one another. Are we being kind and friendly to the crowds around us? How about the crowds in your home? Sometimes our homes can get crowded, can't they? Mine could when my kids were all home. I heard one mom say that she was trying to get the kids all ready and out the door in the morning, and she was cranky and fussy and kind of snapping at everybody, and her three-year-old pulled on her shirt and said, hey, mom, where did Jesus go? And we've all had mornings like that, for sure. But it's a t-shirt pull we don't really want. Hey, Mom, where did Jesus go? But I guess we all need a reminder from time to time as well. So we want to be kind, not only to the crowds around us, but those in our little home as well. So if we take even a closer look at the life of Jesus, we see he had crowds around him. And then we see he had an inner circle of friends. And that would have been the 12 disciples. Now, these men were chosen by Jesus. They spent a lot of time with him. They were simple men, ordinary men. They became great men because of time with Jesus. But they, they walked with him, talked with him, ate with him. They spent the most time with him. And I love to watch my husband with his guy friends because they enjoy each other they laugh they have you ever noticed that men tell stories like a joke and and when they're done they're all cracking up and you're just sitting there like what did that even mean and they think it's the funniest thing they ever heard but i love that i and that's how i pictured jesus was with the 12 disciples of course they had serious times of teaching and ministry but i think they enjoyed each other as well i think they laughed together and told stories maybe even jokes that we wouldn't understand but as jesus spent time with these 12 he became their example he became their teacher and most of all he became their friend and because of their time spent with Jesus, the Bible tells us that he challenged them and even sent them out in the towns to minister to the people around them, preaching and healing those they came in contact with. So now we can consider for a moment our inner circle of friends. And you probably have people come into your mind right now. Those that are closer to you, you share a history, you share time together, and, and you've been through good times and hard times together. So as you examine those friendships, are your friends looking at you as an example and a teacher and a friend? The Bible tells us that like iron sharpens iron, so, so should one countenance sharpen the other. So we want to, when I'm with my friends, we always talk about the Lord in one way or another because we all need encouragement in the Lord. This is a pretty tough world we're living in, right? But we're a set-apart people, followers of Christ, and we want to encourage each other in that and lift each other up. So Jesus had the crowds, he had his inner circle of people, but he also had a smaller core circle of men, and that would have been Peter, John, and James. 
Now, try as I may, I couldn't really find out why he chose these three men as his core circle of friends. Maybe it was leadership qualities that he saw in them or just a teachable spirit. I'm not sure why because, again, they weren't perfect. They let Jesus down. They argued with each other. They could be a little brass and impulsive at times. But Jesus saw something in them worth investing in, and he loved them, he trusted them, and he depended on them. Now, we've all probably been hurt and let down, just like Jesus was, by the disciples. And when Jesus was uh, betrayed, and we've, some of us have been betrayed by friends as well. But we never saw Jesus strike back at his friends in anger or retaliate or hold grudges in any way. And it's a good lesson for us, don't you think? We need to give each other a little grace at sisters from time to time because we're not perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We're just humans, and we need to give each other a little grace. We will fall. We will fail in times. Psalm 37 says that even when a good man or woman falls, the Lord lifts him up with his righteous right hand. And we need to lift each other up in times of disappointment or when we've been betrayed or let down. Now, the friendship may never be exactly as it was before, but we do not want to hold grudges and unforgiveness towards one another. That only hurts us. We've talked about that in the past. So when friends disappoint you, and they will, let's be quick to support, encourage, and lift each other up in the Lord, back on our feet, lending each other a hand, not holding each other down. Although Jesus was sometimes hurt and disappointed, he wasn't, didn't seem to be devastated or surprised by it because he knew the humanity of men. He knew we weren't people, perfect people. And so I think, again, we get in trouble when we expect perfection out of others because no one is perfect, none of us. The Bible teaches us that Jesus was kind and compassionate and patient with people. And remember, ladies, we have the fruit of the Spirit living in us, and that would be love and patience and kindness. We have all those things in us, so we should not hold grudges towards other people. We want to be like Jesus in all areas of our life and imitate him as best we can because the qualities are in Jesus are beautiful qualities that we want in ourselves as well. The Bible tells us to treat others as we want to be treated. In other words, be the kind of friend to others that you want to have for yourself. Be that person. Jesus welcomed the crowds. He spent time with the 12. He invested even more in the three. But his most intimate relationship with, of all was with his heavenly Father. The Bible tells us that he was in constant communication with his Father, and he did nothing on his own accord. In John 8:29, he said, And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do the things that please him. Now, every time I read that, I think, oh, I wish I could say that. I always do what pleases the Father, but we all fall short in one way or another. But that's why Jesus was the man he was, 
because he was in constant communication with the Father, and he always did the things that God told him to do. And people saw his love, they felt his kindness, they received his compassion, and because of that, they listened to his message. And the same is true with us. If we display those godly traits in our life, people will be drawn to listen to the message we have to share with them as well. So Jesus, we saw, took time with people. And time is a precious commodity. I know that it is. It is for each one of us. It seems like there's never enough hours in the day, especially if you're a mom home with little ones. For me to say, you need to spend more time with your friends, you almost like, yeah, right, how am I going to do that? I don't have enough time to comb my hair today. It can be that way. But you know what? As I was working on this, I thought, God didn't call us to be busy. He called us to be relationable, to have relationship with each other. And he wouldn't call us to do that if it was impossible to do. So we need to make appointments, set aside time. And I really believe God will redeem your time if you do that. I think he'll make enough time in your day. I have a daughter who has three little ones. And just the past few months, she's been setting aside every Friday to try and connect with somebody. Because when you're a busy mom, that's the time you need friendship and to unite and connect more than ever before. Because you can easily feel disconnected and alone at times like that. And loneliness is like an epidemic in our world. But you know it is in the church as well. Because you can feel lonely even if you're in a large crowd of people, if you don't know anyone. I took the time to read Callie's um, story on the blog page. And I love the way she shared so openly that she felt lonely. She said making friends was risky and hard for her. And she said she always felt on the outside looking in. And you know, she's not alone. I know there's a lot of people that feel that way. And it shouldn't be. It should not be that way within the church. She said as she came and to, the, to bridge women, she started connecting and uniting with ladies. And she said it was just it even restored her relationship with God. So investing in people's lives is important. Investing in friendships is important. So let's take a moment to examine our world and our friendships, our acquaintances, our circle of friends, our core friendships, and our greatest friendship of all, Jesus. How do we treat those we interact with day in and day out? Remember, Jesus was kind and he was compassionate. And that can be hard when people are cutting in front of you in line and cutting you off on the freeway. But you know what? It's what we're called to do and be. And it's what sets us apart from the rest of the world. We have the Holy Spirit to help us do that be kind and loving. Um, my husband and I were doing yard work. Actually, he was doing yard work. And I was supervising, but 
Every good job needs a supervisor, right? And I have this big, beautiful uh, purple bush in my backyard, and he was going to trim it for me. And as he started trimming it, we realized that the whole back side of it was like die, dead and dry with just sticks sticking out. And that's what our neighbor has been looking at all this time. We were looking at the green, beautiful side of it, but he was looking at the dry, dead side of it. And I felt terrible. And when my husband got done with that bush, it looked terrible because he cut it to pieces. But now neither one of us are looking at a good side. But as he was doing that, I was thinking that can be a lot like our spiritual life. We can be beautiful and green and lush in church or here at Bridge Women, but how are we when we walk out the door? What is the rest of the world seeing in us? We need to be beautiful on all sides to all people. And we can do that with the Lord's help. I had a pastor once who said, it's a pretty good idea to live your life like you're in a fishbowl because you never know where you're going to meet someone and when. So if we're trying to be Christ-like everywhere we are, we won't have a problem because you don't want to be having an argument with someone over here and a guy over here that was sitting behind you at church on Sunday. What kind of a witness is that for the Lord? So we want to be beautiful on all sides. My husband, Danny, got to go on the Africa mission trip with Mary and 19 other people. And when he came home, he described to me how each week at church, he would see those 19 people and just walk by them. He didn't have a close relationship with them. But he said as he spent 18 days with them, he got to see the beauty in each and every one of them. He said they, they were like sparkling diamonds that he had just been walking by each and every week, not really knowing all that was inside of him. And it blessed him so much. And, you know, we need to be beautiful to others, and we need to look for beauty in each other as well because Pastor Ann said, you'll find beauty if you look for it. And so here at Bridge Women, it's a room full of diamonds. Each one of you that I've gotten to meet are beautiful and have much to share to one another. We just need to take the time to build friendships and get to know each other intimately because there's not only beauty in you, but you sparkle and shine like beautiful diamonds. We want to let that out to the world around us. If Danny hadn't gone on that trip, he would still be sitting around all those people but not really knowing all that was in them. He just treasures each one of them now. It was really a blessing for him. So like you, I have many acquaintances, many crowds around me each and every day. And then I have my smaller inner circle of friends, and these would be people that we've shared life with we've done life with, we know a lot about, and we've spent a lot of time together. And then I have a small core circle of friends in my life. And this, for me, and it might look different for you, but for me, it's my husband and my children and my friends, my children and my, those real close to me. With these people, we share things that we don't share with everyone else, just us. 
We're there for each other. We pray for one another. We can confide in each other, and we do life together. And for me as a mom, I feel like I've been, it's a call on my life and a responsibility on, on me to be there for my husband and my children. You have to make an effort even to develop and navigate those relationships as well. I saw an interview, and some of you probably did as well, on TV with Martha Stewart. We all know Martha Stewart, right? She cooks everything, she makes everything, she does it all. And she was sharing her life story. And I learned a lot of things about her I didn't know because I've only seen her in the kitchen. But she said she was married for 29 years, and she loved being married. And they had recently gotten a divorce, and when the interviewer said, what happened? Can you describe what happened? She said, I got real busy with my business, and we just drifted apart. And boy, things like that can happen really subtly and without us even realizing. She said she thought she would be married forever. She didn't want a divorce. She didn't want that to happen. But they had drifted apart. So you might think, I don't know about my husband being my best friend. Well, I can almost guarantee you he was your best friend at one point in your life. And if he's not your best friend now, you need to work on that. You need to develop that relationship. It can be done with the help of the Lord. We don't want to subtly, uh, suddenly drift apart and think, what happened? How did we get here? It's a precious um, friendship and relationship we need to nurture. So do you know that Jesus calls us his friend? And I, just the thought of that makes me want to get tears in my eyes because he wants to be our center, the core of our life. He wants to be the best friend we have. And he is with us always. He will never leave us. He's a friend that will never leave us and never forsake us. John 15, 15, he said, I no longer call you servants, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you. If we think about that for a moment, really think about it and consider what it means to be a friend of Jesus. Uh, I mean, it's such a privilege and it's such an honor that he would even think to call us friends. But it's comforting to know that our Savior and our Lord sees us as a friend. Now that is a relationship that is the most important friendship to nurture and spend time with. He wants to be with us every single day. He wants to commune with us. He wants us to be in the Word. He wants us to spend sweet time, sweet fellowship with Him. And you know, ladies, as we do that, the, the more we hang out with anybody, the more we become like that person. Haven't you ever seen best friends that have been together for a long time and they start talking the same and dressing the same and everything about them is alike? Well, that's how we want to be with our Jesus. We want to be just like he is and we'll get to be like him if we spend that precious quality time with him. He is a friend like no other. He wants us to love one another. He says in the Bible, if you love one another as I have loved you, greater love has no one than this, than he laid down his life for a friend. Now, we might not be called to lay down our life for a friend, 
but we are called to live with and for one another. And only with the grace and mercy of God can we do that as we should. Do you know that when we love each other as we should, the Bible says love covers over a multitude of sins. We can overlook differences in each other or imperfection in, with each other if we're walking in that love and loving each other as we should. So we can ask ourselves now, do others see Jesus in you? Are you operating in the fruit of the Spirit like you should? The fruit of the Spirit is listed in Galatians 5.22. And it would be good this week to maybe spend some time there looking over those qualities because, like Pastor Ann said, they're not um, our natural qualities. They're God working in. They're in us, and we need to let them come out for the world to see all around us. We want to be friends like Jesus is to us. We want to be that kind of friend to others. We want to seek to know him more, love him more, and all to imitate him so that we can reveal him and let him out to the world around us. Loving Jesus will help us to be a more loving friend. So if we were to sum up this morning, um, we've learned that God made us for friendships and we need each other. We can't um, re let ourselves be isolated or pull away from one another. I heard a pastor once say that a hot clump of coal stays hot when it's all together, but if you set one aside, it cools off very quickly. So we want to fellowship and make relationships as often as we can. Also, friendships need to be nourished they need time spent together, sharing, interacting with each other, enjoying one another as much as we can. To be a friend, the Bible tells us we need to show ourselves friendly. And if that's hard for you, ask the Holy Spirit to help you because he will. He'll give you everything that you need. And you know, I, my daughter, when she was in high school, she was kind of shy. And I said, if you want friends, just go up and ask them a little bit about their self. Because we love to tell you about ourselves, don't we? We do. Everybody has a story. And if people think I'm, you're interested in me, they'll tell you. And that's a good way to start the conversation. To be a friend, we have to show our friendly also remember we have Jesus as our example our teacher and our friend and he will never let us down and he'll never let us go uh, the most important thing that I've realized this week is that friendships are a gift from God and they need to be valued they need to be treasured we need to encourage and lift each other up in the Lord and find beauty in one another. Proverbs 17:17 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times. That means the good times, the hard times, the bad times, the difficult times, a friend loves at all times. And we see that in Jesus, and others can see it in us if we follow after him. Let's make each other stronger and better and kinder because we're friends with one another. So as you go about your week, consider, if you would, what kind of friend are you?
How can you be a better friend? How can you make more friends? Ask God to help you find beauty in everyone because, like I said, everybody has a story, and most all of those stories are beautiful stories. The Bible tells us to behold the beauty of the Lord, and that word behold means to look at, gaze upon, and then reflect that beauty to others. When we do that, ladies, people will stop, people will notice, and people will find in us the most beautiful friend of all. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for just for your precious word, Lord, and the way it always speaks truth to our hearts and to our lives. I pray for each one of us here this morning, God, that we would look at our friends in a new light, in a new way, that we would seek to be a better friend, to have more friends, and most of all, God, to have that relationship with you. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, just in the quietness of your heart, you can just say, Lord, come into my life. Be my friend. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to walk with you. And if you do that, you will truly find the greatest friend of all.